0: It's past 12, I should say, Central African time. Welcome to Ubuntu Radio, DSTV channel, 888 or online, www.ubunturadio.com. Welcome to the midday conversation, African Insight. From wherever you are joining us in South Africa, Africa or the world, we welcome you with warm, warm hands. Yeah, if you're a regular listener of this show, uh, you're probably surprised by the new voice behind this mic. Um, Yes, still Ubuntu. I don't change that dial it's still ubuntu radio uh we are so excited to bring you this new show or radio show called midday conversation african inside the show will provide you the listener with an overview of financial developments public finances markets and all important economic developments particularly in our different african continents in this show we want to have conversations right that's a key word. conversations not interviews about financial developments, public finances, markets and anything that is important in our economy so we can give our citizens our investors, business executives, civil society leaders, and public officials unbiased information about the state of affairs in Africa. The show is put together and produced by particular producer, Megazeli Mazubugo with Sean Mlaudzi on the technical production side. And we are beaming live from our headquarters in the capital city of South Africa, that is Pretoria. Good afternoon, Africa. Welcome to the Midday Conversation, African Insight, from myself, Vusi Mauba. Your end is Vusi Mauba.
1: Los Angeles, Tokyo, Bamako, Honolulu, Madrid, Algiers.
0: Ubuntu Radio connecting Africa to the world. Welcome back. The hotline is PLUS27, depending on where you're dialing us from in the world. Use the code PLUS27123292239 if you are in South Africa. Just use 0123292239. Give us a call and join the conversation what this show I should say is that what this show is not about we are not about gossip any form of gossip and we do not as I said do interviews but we want to do conversations have conversations with our guests and yourself and in this first part of the show as we have almost kick-started, we're going to be joined by our esteemed guest Dr. Badi Lihola uh, you know him probably as uh, the former statistician general of South Africa and we'll later on uh, take some reactions from you, the listeners, using our hotline 012-329-2239 plus 27 we'll later on move on and have our interesting segment called the Inside of African markets from our resident contributor Sipesi Ujabe before we look at some of our African historic events that took place this week. So we will start and have our guest but before then let's go and pay the bills and continue our conversation.
2: Inflation.
3: Are you planning to travel outside South Africa soon on business or for leisure? South African citizens traveling abroad are strongly advised to purchase full travel insurance or an overseas health plan before departure. Proper insurance will ensure protection against paying the cost of any emergency, evacuation or expensive medical bills. A travel agent can advise you on options available to suit your budget. This message was brought to you by Ubuntu Radio in partnership with Durco Consular Services. Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's public diplomacy see in
1: action
0: in action welcome back you're still listening to the midday conversation uh, african inside with myself your anchorman vusi maupad beaming live from our headquarters in pretoria the capital city of south africa Look, uh, we could not have thought of any better way to kickstart this debut or this debut show than with somewhat uh, the root cause of different circumstances that we live under as Africans, elections in Africa. And our subject matter today is elections in Africa, which is a source we regard... Of political and economic risks and I'll give you a bit of background right before our esteemed guests introduce our esteemed guests to you to us Um, look elections we all know that enable voters to choose their leaders and hold them accountable for their performances that's one and we all agree on that Uh, but in theory we elect these leaders that we trust so much and believe to have our best interest at heart However, this year, we're looking at about 54%, right? 54% of African countries are taking to the polls. They're going to have elections, uh, local, district or national in different forms. And in most cases, uh, this is a conversation is still the same that we want to remove the government or replace the government that is not working for the people in one way or the other. And some some statistics here that I I, I could ponder on, I mean, looking at countries like Sierra Leone, um, about 57% of their population falls below the poverty line, right? That's according to the World Bank. And their inflation is projected to surpass the 30% mark in 2023, and a significant portion of the population lacks food security. In Zimbabwe, which is also going to have their election very soon, uh, a sizable number of their population there, about Almost 50 percent has been living uh, in poverty for over a decade. The informal sector continues to be the largest source of employment for the population there. And in search for better living, Zimbabweans would then immigrate um, immigrate to neighboring countries and elsewhere in the diaspora. Gabon is also one case which, I mean, Gabon is recognized as the fourth largest oil exporter. however, a third of their population live in poverty corruption is pre, is uh, reported to be prevalent there so so these are just stats that i'm throwing out and that's for you to think of uh, as you uh, pick up the phone to join the conversation a bit later on Uh, they present us with evidence of political and economic risk that we are facing as Africans um, and uh, I mean leading to significant uh, or myriad of issues including disinvestments or low returns on the current investment that we have and I think this scene sort of drives home the point how do we mitigate political and economic risks to um, uh, uh, elections in Africa and to help us Get into conversations in this, as I said, is our guest, esteemed guest, Dr. Bali Lehotla, known to most of us as the former statistician general of South Africa. Uh, He is the director of the Economic Modeling Academy, a professor. Uh, of practice at the University of Johannesburg and research associate at Oxford University. He's also a board member of the Institute for Economic Justice at the werd University in Johannesburg. And he is a distinguished alumni of the University of Ghana. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, um, our, our esteemed guest. I remember you, I mean, you used to make our... Uh, That's interesting. Uh, I think when uh, when they think of you, they think of a yellow suit. <laughs> Good afternoon, <laughs> <laughs> <not>
4: Dr. <doing> <laughs> how are you today? No, no, no. I'm fine. Uh, uh, although I mean, yeah, it's intermittently we we fall in darkness uh, these days, but I'm fine, regardless. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Literally. Yes. Uh, so we hope we don't have uh, we don't have uh, any. A light switching off as we as we as we converse here, but definitely, um, we will try to keep this conversation going. I, I mean, you made you made stats to us quite an interesting subject. I remember I think it was I was at the university still, and that was not my thing. I mean, when I looked at stats, I just saw numbers flying. But when this guy came with a yellow suit and spoke, sense to the numbers that every layman could understand it makes our case it makes our lives much easier and i think we should uh, thank you for that and uh, um, we we'll miss you on the scene
4: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, missing in action i suppose but uh, I uh, here you are you have excavated me <laughs> to come and talk uh, some sense. yeah uh, i liked your idea that we are not going to talk gossip and This reminds me of uh, what Lenin said in 1920, which is about 100 years ago, around uh, three enemies. Uh, One was uh, communist conceit, the other was ignorance, and the third was bribery. Uh, I mean, Lenin would be talking to us as Africans and South Africa, Mm. particularly. But coming to uh, the second uh, enemy, which is ignorance. He yeah. talks about when there is ignorance, when there is illiteracy, that's illiteracy, actually. And the illiteracy, circumstances of illiteracy, it's ignorance, uh, it's gossip, it's witchcraft. <laughs> so you pre uh, predicated uh, the discussion very well by saying this is not gossip. So it's a discussion that has to disabuse us of uh, ignorance. Um, and statistics, or evidence, or scientifically collated uh, evidence uh, dispels yeah. uh, dispels the the matters of gossip and the witchcraft and so on. And so I think we'll try and uh, confine ourselves as much as is possible <laughs> uh, to <laughs> facts. <laughs> so,
0: so, so, so that was not to limit you.
4: Just to put a disclaimer that today hey, day we here, as you say,
0: to not really. Um, talk things out of context but we want to I think this show, we build it so beautifully with um, Begazil and Sean to try and guide the conversation, inform our citizens in in Africa about the importance of different issues and and one of which is is the elections Uh, you are an alumni of Ghana uh, Mm. and I think Ghana is one of the first, if not the the first country that has gained independence a few years ago but with this independence that we've gained Dr. Lehotla, I mean something is not right in Africa. I mean, elections are taking place yearly uh, and we see same things repeating themselves. What what have you not done right in, in this long years of independence in Africa? Uh,
4: there, there are a number of uh, uh, things that uh, we might have not done right. Uh, first, we got colonized. I mean, uh, uh, we can say a lot about how we got colonized, uh, why we got colonized and uh, why we accepted uh, to be colonized and uh, when this decolonization movements uh, started um, we saw a number of uh, movements like uh, those led by Lumumba who had to be who assass- assassinated just for ensuring that the DRC gets decolonized and d- DRC is a, a major economic power in Africa. It produces the minerals that uh, the world seeks, particularly the information technology era, uh, including nuclear uh, material It's uh, in the DRC yet. The DRC has very poor people. Mm. So part of the problem is that foreign interests or local, assisted by locals, uh, inspire uh, the kinds of difficulties that we have. So you go through the entire continent. It's a rich ca- continent. It has the the biggest land mass for for agriculture. It has the best minerals uh, required by the world. Be it during uh, the gold eras or eras or now of information technology, that the minerals required for this uh, are there. All those minerals, including those that produce uh, materials for. Um, solar panels and uh, wind uh, blades Mm -hmm. uh, are produced. uh, These minerals are here in Africa, but we have to import finished goods, um, which is a typical uh, feature of neocolonialism or imperialism where it's based on Uh, Adam Smith's theory of uh, competitive advantage. Uh, So those who have the advantage of manufacturing should specialize in manufacturing. Those who have lots of labor should specialize in cheap labor. (laughs) It's a flawed uh, uh, competitive advantage. Certainly it's very, very flawed and we have to fight those kinds of theories around which we have organized ourselves as Africans participating in this Theory of a uh, free market fundamentalism of, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things. So, th- there are fundamental things that are wrong there. And that, in 1980, convened uh, African governments, he was the secretary, uh, executive secretary of the sure. Economic Commission for Africa, looking at the Lagos Plan of Action. And what the Lagos Plan of Action talks about was in response. Uh, to all the structural reforms uh, that we have had, that have destroyed education in Africa, mm. destroyed health in Africa, and uh, uh, w- w- we have all these kinds of uh, problems. And obviously, a, a forerunner, the oh. Lagos Plan of Action of the Organisation of African Unity was a forerunner to the formation of the African Union in 2002. Yeah which actually stepped up a number of things and the African Union had a number of priorities uh, including silencing the guns, uh, building the economies of Africa and uh, reducing dependency uh, from elsewhere and making Africa be a uh, claim. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the century, as uh, I mean, uh, uh, Kaseme, Pixley Kaseme, who said in 1906 on the 4th of April in Colombia, regeneration of Africa and a new civilization emerging out of Africa. All those matters uh, though, uh, have to be embraced by ourselves as Africans to reimagine ourselves in the f- spirit and the uh, articulations of people like uh, Kaseme.
0: Sure. Um if you just join us you are tuned in to Ubuntu Radio um and the conversation here on the show is African Insight or the Midday Conversations, African Insight. I need to get used to this uh, over the long run because this is just a new show. And we're having a conversation with our esteemed guest, Dr. Bali Badili-Hotla, a former statistician general looking at issues around Africa elections and uh, our development. And I think you mentioned quite important points, uh, Dr. Lohotlade. And most of these things are there in theory, right? Um, uh, Adam Smith would would talk about it. Um, A a lot of theorists would pinpoint where the issues are going wrong. Um, You'd have the Kwame Nkrumahs building the United Africa, Mm -hmm. the Mbegi, the Pan-Africanism. But still... In my pals, it feels we are not getting it right. Um, we, we still have the same issues of DRC, um, of, of, of long, I don't want to say dictatorship, but we have um, leaders that overstay their welcome, yet their elections every year, and they mm. cause problems to these um, countries or you know areas such as the Middle East. They are quite younger. Some of them are quite younger than us, yet they advance in development. So something feels we, there's not clear bridge between, between the theory that we, we all know and the practice that needs to happen there.
4: Oh yes, I mean we, we used to have a, a Professor Okonjo Chukwu Okonjo uh, the uh, Nigerian professor at the University of Ghana who actually questioned the notion of democracy as we see it from the West and yeah. say well Africa has always had its democratic uh, rule under uh, kings, under and under, under majesties, and so on. I would, for instance, take the case of Kim Mushuashwe uh, of Lesotho, who was a very consultative king uh, who exercised democracy. I mean, there are idioms that are embedded in the, in Sesotho and other languages uh, that, uh, in council, uh, the broth. Is, is drunk, is taken with all the fat and everything hot. yeah. Uh, so you don't remove the fat from the broth <laughs>
0: yeah. in
4: council. So you don't hide things. You actually confront them. And that's is an essential element of of, of, of democracy. Uh, and then of course uh, when you look at all those forms of democracy, democratic rule under structures that are African, uh, no doubt uh, we practiced uh, Democracy in specific ways. Of course, they've adopted uh, the methods of uh, elections, uh, political formations, political parties. At the heart of all this are economic interests. Yeah, And uh, how we give expression to those economic interests through politi- party politics and individuals who have vested interests. Uh, it's a it's, it's part and parcel of a core character of uh, African democracy. Well, there is a lot that the West has had to has to answer for by at times implanting people and changes in regimes, like uh, Muammar Gaddafi yeah. was assassinated. Uh, but Muammar Gaddafi's petrol was available oil was available to every family. People never suffered education. Education was free. Electricity was free. Health was free. And all those things were free in Muammar Gaddafi's uh, uh, Libya. They are not now. Mm. So, and in similar ways with the DRC, where Lumumba was thinking about a different uh, country. So while in the 60s there was Lumumba, in the 2000s there was Muammar Gaddafi, uh, and we are suffering the same kind of fate. We see dictators being prolonged. Uh, those who are against uh, Europe or West uh, France, they get deposed, yeah. uh, such as Sankara and so on. So, there is this part that shows when it comes to economic interests, mm. we are still very much controlled from outside. That is why the African Union is very important in terms of uh, ensuring that we disengage. But, there are these uh, skewed relationships that are neo-colonial with our partners. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we are so much divided, 54 countries having to negotiate either with the U.S. or China. I mean, uh, uh, we are easy meat to divide. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's really what uh, Africa has become. And the African Union... Uh, Commission and African Union in itself, in its foundation, tries to minimize uh, the the divisions that may emerge out of Africans as they confront uh, other regions of the world. What is the strategy of African Union in relation to the rest of the world? It falls apart once countries' interests are Mm -hmm. uh, are expressed, so that's a a major uh, problem
0: yeah no i think i want us to have a conversation linking that problem to um stability right and just to have a different look at what stability means to our some of the investment in africa but let's take a quick break and when we return we'll continue this conversation we are still tuned into ubuntu radio it's a midday conversation african insight
1: Thelma Govaini on The Diplomat, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to midday, Central African Time. African Time. How do you, as Tiger Brands Foundation, make sure that the beneficiaries are not losing their nutritious meal on a daily basis? So Thelma, what we have done is we have pivoted our business uh, from hot-cooked meals in school towards delivering family-sized food hampers. We are fortunate in that our logistics were set up as we normally deliver a food hamper in the December holiday as a nutrition intervention during the long period children will be out of school. In every hamper, what kind of food items are included? So, we have things like uh, jungle oats, rice, we have baked beans or sugar beans, pulchards, maize meal, damp meal, flour mix. And for this hamper, um, we've also added sanitary products. We're adding things like hand sanitizers and also Hand sanitizers and balsos. The Diplomat with Thelma Ngobeni, Monday to Friday, 9am to midday, Central Central African Time.
3: Don't be fooled into smuggling drugs in exchange for money or a free vacation. Many South Africans are currently serving lengthy prison sentences abroad for drug-related offenses, often in deplorable conditions. Do not accept gifts from people you don't know very well or offer to carry parcels, letters, handbags, or suitcases for other people when traveling abroad. Remember that in some countries, drug convictions carry the death penalty. This message was brought to you by Ubuntu Radio in partnership with Doku Consular Services, Ubuntu Radio. South Africa's public diplomacy in action. action.
2: Follow Ubuntu Radio on Twitter at Ubuntu Radio ZA. Ubuntu Radio ZA.
0: It's exactly 12.31 p.m. Central African time here in Pretoria, South Africa. And welcome back to the Midday Conversation African Insight. Uh, do give us a call if you want to be part of this conversation. We are reachable at plus 27123292239. If you are within the borders of South Africa, your dialing number is 012329229. 012-329-2239 two, 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 and we still have with us a uh, Dr. Badi Lehotla uh, having a conversation about elections a source of political and economic risks in Africa and as, as we were going on the break Dr. Le- Lehotla, I think one of the things that I wanted to bring is normally we, there's a perception that uh, investors would prefer a stable economy <coughs> uh, meaning some would interpret it as if uh, whatever the voter decides. So if tomorrow we decide to vote um, a different political party, um, uh, you know, like countries like Gabon going to elections, if they'll prefer to, to to they'll prefer to vote a different government mm. in um, with majority, uh, one would perceive it as the country's more stable. But on the contrary, some investors prefer stability in a sense that uh, it is preferable that a government that they know it's. In inverted commas, a dictator government uh, is going to, whether you they vote or not, is going to come back into, into power. So it's easy for me to take money where I know exactly that, that government is coming back, whether dark or blue. So some part of um, when you mix economics and and, and 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 elections or politics, there's a bit of unfair relationship there because economics would benefit from that kind of skewed relationship while the citizen uh, uh, suffer on the, in that spectrum.
4: Uh, yes, I mean in Africa, the the voting is uh, more of uh, what comamor uh, the the comrade in the ANC, the late comamor said, uh, these people are just a voting kettle, um, the interests are economic. And the investors price in the risks, whatever the risks are, what they need is to know that it's unstable, and then they price in uh, that their, 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 their risk. For instance, so many investors are in the DRC at the moment and they're using the materials in the chips, in the chip. Uh, they get from DRC, which influence the direction that the world uh, takes. Be it China, be it the US, be it whatever you. They get that material from the DRC, despite the dysfunction, political dysfunction of the of the DRC itself. So you can see the predominance of economic interests that are determined by pricing in pricing risks into the future uh, by 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 business. They, they they, they 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 don't tend to care that much about uh, what the benefits to society are for as long as they extract uh, the profit. I mean Milton Friedman who has been uh, the person who has the brain power behind uh, Reagan and uh, Margaret Thatcher as the political stewards Milton Friedman was uh, the intellectual steward who would bring uh, free market fundamentalism and uh, helped by the World Bank and uh, of course <coughs> and the IMF to drive this agenda. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, it has always been economics and economics and economics. Politics are just an appendage, (laughs) uh, a convenient or inconvenient appendage uh, to the rest of things. And what we have to do as Africans is to ensure that uh, it is not only, it's not about politics, it's about economics, as uh, 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 Kwame Nkrumah would say, uh, economic freedom in our, in our lifetime. Of course, he passed on, we still are struggling with uh, the notion of economic freedom. So, it is true, yeah. therefore, that uh, markets have a way of pricing in their profits, no matter what. I mean, if you look at South Africa at the moment, we have 60 million people. What are the markets looking at? Be it uh, on health, be it on uh, technology, be it on education. All these things that are private are chasing 2 million households. Hmm. And uh, the rest of the 15 million do not matter. Be it uh, in this energy crisis that we are facing Hmm. around, uh, uh, what is it, solar panels and all this. It's only 2 million households that uh, these things, the markets are chasing. The rest don't have the necessary income uh, to... Uh, buy into those markets and in a way naturally Mm. those markets will be shrinking continuously but in search of profit these guys are leeches they want the last profit and whoever survives that is fine and then we'll come into the logic of business cycles busts and booms businesses going out competition I mean you think about Greenspan um, uh, when with the financial crisis of 2008 he confessed that he never thought that free market was not free, but we know that free market is not free. Remember Coca Cola here in South Africa and Pepsi. Mm. Coca Cola bought all the bottles for Pepsi, and Pepsi couldn't market, and it was free, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now you come with uh, this uh, loans uh, that were bad and and uh, that were good, and the people in the loaning, in the, the the banks combined this, produced this. Uh, them out and sold the bad and the good hmm. and then that's where the financial crisis comes oh I man greenspan said the markets should have a uh, free market should have cleared the bad and made them suffer and uh, go bankrupt and uh, those that are clean would have gone. no that's not how capital works yeah it's I, a bloodbath there's nothing free about free market fundamental free market
0: look i think when you made the point and i i laughed and i think um, that was not the laughter to say it's funny, but it's quite amazing how the bloodpath you talk about and elections come through. And I, I think just if you look at countries like Kenya, um, uh, you look at the elections, the uh, election-related violence of '92 mm-hmm. and '97, 2007, uh, which was due to who they elected. I think uh, by then you you have uh, the then president Daniel. Moi, who was the longest serving president mm. there from I think 1978 to 2002. Um, and when the elections happened, I think the recent one where you had about uh, underreported 1,500 people that were mm. died and an odd, um, also underreported about 300,000 um, people that were displaced through that. Right. So this happens. People are dying. As you said, there's a bad blast. And this leader is, is in power and doesn't want to move. Uh, as it were, but here's an interesting thing, Dr. LaHota. Right, when you look at economics and, and their stats, uh, the country's net export only declined with during this period. I think when you look at the most horrific uh, incident of 1992, the net exports only declined by 0.8 percentage points. Right, and you'd have your, your GDP that significantly improved uh, to about thirty eight point nine percent uh, in 1993 mm. after the election and yet foreign direct investment and the direct investment the net flows um uh, they declined the some very very uh, tiny mm. uh, during those years of wars and election so it's as you said it's it's quite it's not as free as one would would, would think and you think when elections come people find uh, economics uh, and the investment is, is is affected it's not quite as straightforward is it
4: no not at all I mean uh the, the main point is uh, our eyes uh, in terms of uh, these things of uh, free market it's a political economy and the free marketers uh want to have a smaller government uh, why because they say well the governments do not produce value uh, they say well this world is uncertain and because it's uncertain you can't uh, indulge in long term planning go to anyone who sinks a mine he sinks 30 years Yeah. Yet they will tell you that the markets are so fluid you can't plan that long. Business plans long term. Mm. Yet they discourage government from planning long term. Sure. So that they can rob government. They can rob citizens. That's that's the nature of uh, uh, seeking profit and chasing profit. It's counter the issue of uh, the sustainable development goals. People, planet and profits. And I think uh, the move towards... Uh, people, planet, profit, and the SDGs. uh, I mean, while Africa is not doing that well, but uh, at least intellectually, from a point of view of Agenda 2063, uh, that agenda was ahead of the SDGs, independently done by Africans for Africa, and then contributed significantly to the finalization of the SDGs. The question is whether the Africans have the intellectual, the tools, and the like, to sustain what they see to, to sustain addressing what they see as wrongs uh, and uh, standing united uh, to do so obviously with the fluctuations in politics we ourselves here in South Africa caught napping with uh, the, the the corruption that uh, has uh, embraced mm-hmm. and embroiled us i mean nobody can come to South Africa when we are so destructive from infrastructure to that to that to that you'd rather go into a country that is mending its way Mm. with its own infrastructure and so on. In South Africa we are continuously destroying so it's very difficult for people to come here uh, to to invest but once we show that we are on demand uh, investment will start coming but we have to fix our politics as political economy not as politics otherwise uh, we are just uh, rented head boys uh, for these uh, other guys uh, that come with big monies.
0: We're having a frank conversation here with uh, Dr. Badi Lehotla uh, live on Ubuntu Radio. A show. It's uh, the midday conversations. African inside. Uh, it just gone. Oh, it's uh, 19 minutes away to one o'clock Central African Time. We're coming to you live from Pretoria. Please join in the conversation. As I said, the number is plus two seven one two three two nine double two thirty nine. If you are outside the borders of South Africa, if we are inside, your dialing code is zero one two followed by three two nine double two thirty nine, and we're happy to pick up the conversation with you. It's quick, let's take a quick break and uh, look uh, at the last part of it on how do we um, uh, equip our citizens much better to, to vote. But I think I would like your view also around how Gabon uh, politics is structured and how it influences investment. Welcome to the Midday Conversation, African Insight with Vusi Mauba
3: are you planning to travel outside south africa soon on business or for leisure when planning a visit abroad south african citizens should take time to learn about the financial political cultural and economic environment of their intended destination this message was brought to you by ubuntu radio in partnership with durko consular services ubuntu radio south africa's public diplomacy in action
0: Forty-three, and welcome to Ubuntu Radio, uh, midday conversation, African Insight, with Vuse Mauba. Dr. Lehotra, um, what's going on in Gabon? It seems things are not as one ideally would want them to be.
4: Well, Gabon is uh, one of the top oil producers of the world. Uh, if you compare citizens of Gabon with citizens of Saudi or UIA, you see a completely different uh, picture where poverty uh, is strikingly high in Gabon while they are producing so much oil. So it's one of those uh, situations where it's very glaringly clear that uh, the economic benefits are for the few. and uh, They are not for the few Gabonese. They are for the few abroad. Uh, The Gabonese are just uh, uh, the the president. uh, Well, of course, he's very rich. His family is very rich, uh, like all other countries where are oil producing but the citizens are are poor. So the notion of democracy and the elections as a tool for democratizing uh, the economy uh, is very very false until and unless citizens uh, agree on a manifesto that looks at how wealth must be distributed. Mm. Uh, In the absence of that, dictatorships are just a a, a path uh, and they are enjoyed by the masters uh, in in Europe, particularly the French, uh, to subjugate uh, the citizens of Gabon. Mm -hmm. So a democracy in Africa has to distill itself of these riches that uh, the the ruling class, the elite, the pact of the elite uh, comes together to oppress uh, the, the, the poor. I mean, if you take China, by the 90s, China was very still very poor, yeah. but then decided that uh, they will actually modernize China, they will do a number of things. By 2012, China had 6 million people who were poor, yeah. out of the 1.4 billion, and they made it a point by 2019 that 6 million had been transferred from being poor uh, to being uh, living a, a normal life uh, through their policies uh, that they deployed. So, in Africa, what are those policies that we are deploying to get people out of poverty? Not only out of poverty, but to be full citizens enjoying the benefits and enjoying life in its totality. Mama Gaddafi was close to that on the continent and so is seashells and uh, probably Mauritius. Uh, The rest of the continent uh, in Botswana we still see stinging poverty despite the riches. The wealth in South Africa, 50% of the population in South Africa lives below uh, the upper bound poverty line. Mm. And uh, 81 municipalities out of the 250 have actually regressed in terms of the functions of uh, municipalities for provision of services between 2011 and 2016. We have not measured between 2016 and 2023. It's a bloodbath, I'm sure, and more municipalities will fall under that rubric of reversals of the gains that were made uh, since 1994. So unless there is a very progressive program that is anchored in holding people accountable to get to where they should get, we are not going to go very far. China does that well. Korea does that well. Um, and the Scandinavians do that very well. The US uh, hopelessly. So the issue of political economy is at the center. So what do we do? One, if we have to think about Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, yeah. there are a number of things that we must be thinking about. And we statisticians have produced this data from a long period of time. We've got to get the evidence. Otherwise everything else is gossip. So, driving policy on gossip in Africa doesn't help anyone.
0: Definitely not.
4: Not. and uh, I liked when you said we are not going to gossip. Unfortunately, Africans use the statistics, for instance, for the International Comparisons Program. Uh, If I had more time, I would talk about that International Comparisons Program, uh, which the person who was director of uh, in the 2011 one, Michel uh, Michel Mwenyerakutola. Uh, uh, just passed on may his soul rest in peace I mean this is a wealth of data that should be at the center of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement but none of that data is referred to by Africans it tells you what Africans eat and what they produce it answers the question Ali Masru'i asks Africans or statement that Ali Masru'i puts that Africans produce what they don't consume, they consume what they don't produce. By saying the Africa of Continental, uh, the, this ICP data tells you what they consume and what they, they produce, it affirms Alimas Ruiz' assertion yeah. that we produce what we don't consume and we consume what we don't produce. And this data is there to say, then what do we do, given that we have this dilemma? But when people don't look at that data and refer to gossip in order to implement Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, we are not going to get out of this stressful politically, uh, politics of economics, and we will never understand our political economy. So what did the Chinese do with uh, this uh, data? I mean, the Chinese didn't accept the results of the 2011 IC International Comparisons Program. Why? Not because the results were not true. But because strategically, it was putting them in a bad position, being the biggest economy in the world. Yeah. So that's, but in the end, or rather not in the end, they strategically deployed that information in order to look at the second phase of Chinese growth, which was growing through domestic consumption. Sure. Relaxing the bedroom to two children instead of one child. Because once they have two children, it means that they can sustain their growth path for the next 100 years because Chinese live up to 90 years. So once we have a second child in the household, without increasing the population size, you can actually grow. Now, Africans are not using these kinds of data sets to design policy.
0: It appears to me it's it's quite a multifaceted um approach. Policy approach, as as, as you said, you know the different elements that one can look at, and uh, I think uh, for for the sake of time, we, do, we definitely won't go into into details. So that there's element of corruption, there's mm-hmm. element of uh, police alignment and misalignment, if you like. So those are some of the things. But maybe in in closing, um, uh, uh, Dr. Lehotla, um, how do you practically better equip? How do we as citizens better equip? Uh, quite briefly. On ourselves on choosing leaders that are right uh, for ourselves and that uh, we do see your calls coming in just having a technical difficulty with taking those calls in but do continue the conversation on social media using the hashtag midday conversation African insight we'll uh, catch up with those uh, both on uh, Twitter Facebook and also where you can uh, how do you how do you do that just briefly how do we equip ourselves uh, to achieve that
4: well The politician who comes to you and says, I want to be elected, comes with a manifesto. But that manifesto must have future proof. It can't be a manifesto that just says, I will produce jobs, I will do this. No, 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 no. It must be a manifesto that says, based on the evidence that we have, these are the things that we are going to do. And these are the tools of foresight that we are applying to deploy into, into the economy to show what the future will look like. So, without modeling, I every mean, uh, day, you know, our models here in South Africa, CGE model, which uh, gravitate towards equilibrium, very, very useful, useless in terms of uh, a political economy. You need models that uh, actually look at political economy and the agency of human beings to change the path. Mm. The Chinese use that. Yeah. Uh, and tame the markets through that. Unless you have t- these tools of foresight modeling the economy. Uh, following the laws of motion of the economy you cannot future proof anything so the whatever manifestos that politicians come with across the continent including here in South Africa next year there is no future proof of what they wish they could deliver unless we get to that science based evidence based positions not gossip we are not going to hold anybody accountable on the continent of Africa
0: Dr. Paladi Hutla, thank you so much. Uh, This conversation definitely deserves much more time than what we had uh, budgeted for today. But you Definitely made very valuable contributions. We appreciate and highly honored to have you with us today and hoping that for future we can unpack more, looking at corruption, looking at the model of China and go into the numbers quite in detail in stats. Thank you so much for being with us today.
4: No, Thank you very much. Uh, South Africa gave me the platform to <laughs> be the statistician general and uh, certainly having seen what I've seen, I have to share what I've seen. With the yellow suit. uh,
0: (laughs) 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 Thank you. That was uh, Dr. Badilu Hotlight. It has just gone 12.53 on my watch. And we're just going to quickly go to get uh, some insight on African markets with our very own resident contributor, Sipesi Hlesitole, uh, after this.
1: Are you a South African citizen currently residing outside the country or are you intending to travel outside the country?
0: The South African Department of International Relations and Cooperation offers a voluntary registration service where you can register your contact details whilst out of the country. The service is to enable the department to contact you if and when a need arises, such as family emergency, natural disaster, or civil unrest in the destination country and to enable the department's to provide necessary assistance
1: as part of its objective to protect the well-being of citizens outside the country. The Departments of International Relations and Cooperation use a secure socket layer and firewall technology to protect your
0: data and privacy. privacy.
1: Register today via the Registration of South Africans Abroad online system on the department's website, www.dirco.gov.za, and click on the ROSA link. You can also email rosahelp at dirco.gov.za. Registration of South Africans Abroad, an initiative by the South African Department of International Relations and Cooperation protecting the well-being of citizens outside the country. You're listening to First Wave on Ubuntu Radio, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. 6 to 9 a.m. Central African Time. Jayamtha Wikram Namayanke UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, Special Envoy on Youth.
2: I come from a country that suffered from an armed conflict uh, for for 30 years. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Um, Also between two ethnic groups um, sort of not having the enough tolerance or resilience to coexist. And I, in my Youth Activist Days have always looked at South Africa to learn about the Truth Commission, yeah. to learn about reconciliation, to learn about coexistence, yeah. um, reparations, um, and non-recurrence. To be here right now, uh, to really see what's happening, how young people are standing up for what they believe in, is, is really refreshing for me, and it's something that I would take back with me as a young person coming from a post-conflict country.
1: Mm. First Wave with Dari Mungenti, Monday to Friday. Day, 6 to 9 a.m. Central African
3: Time Central African
0: Time Welcome back to the Midday Conversation African Inside, with myself, Vusi Maupa and we just had a very heated conversation with Dr. Badelu Hotline we're going to quickly shift onto our insight on African markets with our very own resident contributor economist uh, Sipesil uh, Sitole Majobe, how are the markets looking?
2: Good afternoon, Rusi, and good afternoon to our listeners. You are listening to CPSC Casitolio with Insight on African Markets. Looking at our currencies, the South African Rand depreciates as leading indicator declines. Earlier on Tuesday, leading business cycle indicator from the central bank dipped, which caused the South African Rand to weaken against a somewhat a dollar. The rand was trading at 18 rand 17 cents against the dollar, down roughly by 0.2% from Monday's closing price. The dollar index, which compares the value of the dollar to six competing currencies, increased by almost 0.1%. The leading indicator for February from the South African Reserve Bank fell for the third consecutive month, falling by 0.7% month over month. Morocco's finance minister says there are no immediate plans to modify the currency band. Nadia feta allow Morocco's finance minister, stated on April 24 that the country is not planning any modifications to its currency trading band. Moroccan currency, the dirham market reform, started in 2018 but haven't seen much progress till 2020, when the dirham's tolerance for variation from a centrally established reference level was raised from 2.5% to 5%. However, over the past 14 months, a number of frontier market currencies have come under intense pressure, particularly Tunisia and Egypt, two of Morocco's North African neighbours, the latter of which has undergone three significant devaluations. According to data released this month, the country's consumer price index increased by 8.2% in March. In an effort to lower domestic food prices in response to rising food costs, authorities have restricted the export of various vegetables to European and other African markets. Looking at our commodities, the largest economies in sub-Saharan Africa are expected to grow more slowly this year. According to a Reuters poll, the main economies in sub-Saharan Africa will have weak growth this year due to persistent issues with South Africa's energy supply and Nigeria's cash shortages. Economic activity has become challenging due to the strength of the dollar and severe shortages across the continent, which have complicated inflation dynamics in significant nations like Nigeria, Ghana, and South Africa. Due to currency depreciation, rising debt, and high interest rates, Ghana is currently experiencing its worst economic crisis. According to the poll, growth will likely decline even more this year from 3.1% to 2.1%. Since the years leading up to COVID-19, when commodity prices fell, Nigeria has struggled with this because all earnings make up the majority of its foreign currency inflows. Since then, it has not recovered, and the prognosis for rising oil prices is dim. Infrastructure in South Africa's port and rail system is unstable as a result of inflation and gold prices. Last week, market sentiment experienced a wild swing in South Africa's inflation rates unexpectedly increased to 7.9% and the price of gold fluctuated due to a lack of direction in the US. Given that there's still a chance of inflation may grow, it was unexpected when the local food costs rose by 14% year-on-year. The consumer price index was further impacted by the sharp rise in power prices at the beginning of april as well as the erratic fluctuation of the exchange rate and crude oil prices south africa's kumba a supply of iron has increased its output by 14 percent in quarter one on tuesday april 24 south africa's kumba iron ore said that the robust production at its columnar mine helped to boost its output which rose by 14 percent in the first quarter The primary market for the miner, China, has strengthened demand, according to Kumba, offsetting a decrease in other countries. Given the still-intensive nature of the global energy shift, the demand outlook for our high-quality iron ore product continues to be positive, said Kumba Iron Ore. Dollar demand from oil dealers and manufacturers causes the Kenyan shilling to decline in value. The increased demand for dollars from oil dealers and manufacturers as well as listed firms getting ready to pay dividends to their overseas shareholders' weakened Kenya's shilling on Wednesday, April 19th. Commercial banks quoted the shilling at $1.35 per dollar, up from $134.90 per dollar on Tuesday, April 18th closing rate, according to Refinitiv data. It's a wrap for me. Catch us again next week, same time, same place on DSTV channel triple eight. Have a great weekend. There's
4: a word in South Africa. Ubuntu. Ubuntu.
1: Ubuntu Radio. Ubuntu Radio.
2: A better South Africa. A better Africa. And a better world.
0: Thank you, Spencer, with the insight on African markets. We highly appreciate that. Um just to remind you of as we close some of the most remarkable uh, events that took place this week, uh, without any bias at least I could pick up two countries. South Africa yesterday celebrated its Freedom Day as uh, which attained in twenty on the twenty seventh of April nineteen ninety four and as a uh, post first post-apartheid election in South Africa, Tunisia, on the 9th of April. This month still, 1938 uh, achieved or oh, uh, had a Martyr's day, I think that's how it's pronounced, which is a public holiday in Tunisia. This day remembers the Tunisians who were killed when the French troops suppressed nationalist demonstrations in 1938. In 1938. That's all what we have for you today on the Midday Conversation African inside The big question to you though is, Given what we have unpacked, have conversed about with Dr. Lihutla and uh, all the information that we've shared with you, are you ready to make that uh, decision on the polls that will not jeopardize investment, that will not result to political risk, and that will leave you well off after that? And we'll continue this and more conversations next week sometime, midday, and but between now and then, feel free to engage us and let us know how you think and how you felt about this first show uh, using the hashtag The Midday Conversation. You can tag me at Vusi Maupa or tag uh, uh, Ubuntu I think it's Ubuntu Radio ZA on social media platforms. Let's hear your thoughts Uh, between now and then. It has been a great day. (laughs) Bye-bye.